Hi, welcome to the corner of Hope and Wellness with Carrie Hill. Each week, I will bring you a 30-minute bite-sized conversation with real people sharing real stories about overcoming challenges and finding resiliency. This week's guest is Jamie Lee Green, and she shares her journey through poverty, homelessness, substance use, and depression to choosing herself. It's a great conversation, so let's listen in. Good morning, Jamie. It is great to see you. Welcome. Thanks, Carrie. It's great to see you. I'm very happy to be here and excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, you are somebody from my past who is a little bright light that I had to let go of as a boss in order to uh, let you continue on your path of growth and recovery. So this is such a nice reconnection. So as you know, I'm going to jump in. So we're going to talk about your journey that has several layers, which, which I love because it's never just one thing. So I just wanted you to start a little bit with your first layer, which I know is substance use disorders and kind of how that, that started. Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. That's a, that's a great question. And it's seems like such eons ago. And yet like yesterday, um, you know, I can clearly remember when I stepped over the edge and didn't have a, have a hold of uh, my, my substance use, my ability to choose um, I was 19 and I was pregnant with my second child, you know, and, and this was very difficult. This was very difficult because I had um, started parenting back my first child, which I had at 15, as my first attempt to heal myself um, from trauma that I didn't know was there and um, started raising that for my, my first child uh, when she was two and then was pregnant uh, with my second child at 19. And so um, I wasn't able to just stop. I had to do a geographical. And um, this was after learning about recovery some. Uh, my first introduction to recovery and intervention was, uh, I was 17 with my then boyfriend who would later turn into be my husband um, of 20 some years. And um, so I very clearly remember stepping over that edge. You know, and it's, and it's interesting. And we were just talking a little bit about this before is that idea of you have substances, because like you said, I had this underlying stuff going on that I didn't even realize, but there's this need to kind of self-soothe, right? So the substances, and I love that you mentioned this vision when you were 14 about having a baby and what that would bring to you. And I'm just, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's, it's, it's another layer of self-soothing where we kind of trick ourselves. Yeah, I, I, I was 14 and um, I had my first love and it was, you know, obviously, a or maybe not obviously, but a troubled relationship. He was a juvenile delinquent with tattoos and a little bit older and, and uh, you know, and just up my, just my type, if I had a type then and. I remember thinking, I want something to love, someone that can never be taken away. Um, my family was struggling and we had just, they had just done a geographical and moved us from a small town to a big town. And we didn't know anybody and that was scary and we were poor. <clears throat> so I remember thinking, I want this, I want something of my own forever. And I could vision five years. That was the furthest I could think. And that was a long time. At that point, I would be 20. 
And so I would have a driver's license. Um, I knew that and I could um, have a car and I wanted a Jeep. You know, I had this vision of a Jeep and a, and a little boy in the back of the Jeep with a sound system. So <laughs> I, another way to, you know, just kind of take myself out of that reality. Yeah. Will you but do revisioning. Yes, I know. So I know that probably that you've had that skill that's helped you get to where you are now. So that's really cool. We're going to have to get to that place too. Just will you tell folks who don't know what a geographical is? What's a geographical? A geographical is known um, commonly in recovery worlds as picking up and moving to another location, thinking that that's going to solve your problem of removing you from access to uh, perhaps substance um, or whatever it is that is going on in your life at that time. Many people do those geographicals. They might not know that's what it's called. That's a way to run. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I I, know that's, I just appreciate that. You know, sometimes when we talk about uh, recovery, folks who are in a position of supporting us will say, you have to change everything. And sometimes that's not necessarily the case. Maybe that works for some people, but for some people and people I've talked to on this program, what it is, is I need to be implemented into my natural habitat and be able to face some of the stuff that's, that's coming up in order to walk through recovery. So I'm wondering what were some of those moments that moved you out of this place of number one, all the things that you were using in a sense to soothe or believe that they were soothing into this is, this is not helpful. I need to move out of the substance use disorder. What was your rock bottom? Um, because we use that language a lot of the times too. Uh, yeah, that's another very pivotal moment. And that, that pivotal moment, I had now had three children and that youngest was six months old. And the oldest was turning seven. The oldest was turning seven. And and I had managed periods of sobriety or clean time around away from substances and alcohol during those pregnancies. I was able to succeed in that area, um, but always would pick back up. I was throwing a slumber party for my daughter who was turning seven and my youngest was six months old and I was the worker of the household. And we were, uh, uh, my drug of choice was methamphetamines and I would have to use to get through the day and I would, uh, my nose would bleed and I would vomit. And at this point it was January and we were having a birthday, a slumber party. And I just remember thinking, uh, if I don't do something, they're not going to have a chance at a life because I've been trying to make a difference since she was two and now she's seven. So for five years, I could see in and out of, of, of recovery, sort of, of, or of clean time um, and see the progression and also having been introduced to recovery through my then my my now sister-in-law because I'm married uh, uh, we did get married and um, it just wasn't working I was yeah. just a mess I was I couldn't look in the mirror and see myself I could just look in the mirror long enough to get ready yeah and and it was time and so I made a call to my sister-in-law and said, I need help. We need, and it's not that they didn't know, you know, you just have to wait. And she helped me make the call. And I got into a, um, an inpatient rehab that I had tried to get into in the past. And this time they said uh, I was ready. And, um, and so, you know, quite a few children later and quite a bit later, I I had uh, earned a seat 
or a bed and uh, stayed there 34 days, checked myself out, um, but also felt strong and good and, uh, and was strong and good, active, active in recovery. Stayed that sober. Is, that is so great. So um, I just also like this, this, the thing about how you were able to see five years, like when you had this first vision of the, 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 you know, having a child and all the great things that would happen. And then this was another five years, you know, where you had this other vision that said this, I, I need to give these children a chance. I just, I like that, that vision, that five-year vision. So you have a five-year goal plan. I like it. Jamie. <laughs> so then I, just knowing, like, I think about my life, like I was very recreational with drugs and alcohol um, and a, really a big recreational park. I'm just going to say that, but my main thing was an eating disorder. So I really thought if I got rid of the eating disorder, everything would be fine. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that, no, that was not true, that I had underlying mental health issues. So I'm, what did you find when you stopped doing substances? Well, in the beginning, Carrie, you know, I found, um, a I found an amazing life. And I got really, really busy. I had three children and I am a lit involved person. I'm an all in. And, and so this was a welcome environment. Um, once I offered myself, I was also a young mom. And so often would have to prove um, to be at a lot of tables. And, and so I just jumped in. I jumped in and got busy with the kids. We did softball. We did, I was a Cub Scout leader. I was a Girl Scout leader. I was in the PTA. I stayed busy. I didn't have time to focus on what was really going on. That was the truth. You know, I thought substance and alcohol was the issue. Um, yeah, I did. And, you know, I, we, I put together a great 10 and a half years of clean and sobriety time an amazing life and could start to, and start to have a different vision. Uh, we lived in the suburbs and uh, life happened. And I was in the middle of what I now know was a major depressive episode. And um, being treated incorrectly, uh, but also have children who have behavioral health, mental health diagnosis. And let me tell you, there was quite a few years where uh, figuring out what was wrong with Jamie seemed like substance and alcohol was what was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until uh, probably, no, not, it wasn't until two and a half years ago uh, that I really started to to experience some um, feelings that were very intense and scary, much like what was happening uh, during my last relapse, my only relapse, um, 10 and a half years in and life happened and we had so much happening that yeah. we picked up, me and my husband, then husband, and destroyed our lives in 22 months, lost custody wow. of our children. Um, so again, Substance and alcohol was the issue. Although we had these underlying things happening, life happening, um, yeah. relationship issues happening, uh, lack of supports. We had quite a bit of, uh, we had five children, you know, at this point. So we just had a busy life and throw in substance <clears throat> and a dependence to opioids that happened very quickly. Again, 
we didn't, I didn't know. So fast forward to, 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 um, two and a half years ago, experiencing these feelings of what it was like back in that last major depressive episode, not knowing what it was. Right. And, and doing everything I could carry to treat myself because I work in behavioral health and I'm active in self-care. I hike avidly. I did yoga. I have a great network of people, therapists, most of the people I'm friends with, you know, just, you know, very active. And, and inside I was not okay. I would wake up every day and cry. And a few people knew. So my sister-in-law, my best friend, um, but nobody could save me. And I, and finally I had to, so I picked up, um, not using, I picked up other resources or I picked up very, um, intense self-care, which is not great, right? You can't run from everything. And so, (laughs) you know, I can't run to the wilderness and, um, but getting through my day was all I could do. So finally I saw actual help, um, through um, a trusted uh, prescriber uh, that I knew. And even that took a minute to uh, say, you know what, I think I need medication uh, and some therapy. What I was experiencing was just very intense. I want to ask you a question. So you've done all this work, right? And then there's this underlying piece that is... um, you're almost going, I love that you said, like, didn't even really know what it was. What is this experience of, you know, major depressive disorder? And I'm just wondering, and I'm going to, I'm going to be really honest. This is coming from my own perspective, how difficult it was for me to take medication because I had such a huge toolbox, such a huge toolbox. And I thought, why can't I manage this on my own? Why can't I control that? And I'm just curious for you if that was a big step or was it just a natural step? Not a natural step. (laughs) I tried everything to treat myself because I had all these tools. I helped design a wellness program for individuals with behavioral health challenges. And, you know, this just, why wasn't it working? Yeah. Why was I not able to cure myself of what I was in without even knowing what it was, though? You yeah. know, it, it took that medication to start working. And for me to for me to say, doctor, I'd be great with four days with not with with having no more than four bad days a month, you know, and that seemed really good. That was one a week and I would be OK. I was having mornings where I would cry in the closet before work. It was all I could do to manage, yeah. you know, and, and work in behavioral health. Yeah. I was just going to say, so talk a little bit about the day to day, right? I think about when you have, because it's management, right? Now we're talking about management a little bit. And so there's a day to day and you're saying like, okay, one bad day out of a week is not bad. Right. So what does the day to day look like for you? Um, we forget about that. We kind of do the, here's what I struggled with. Here's the happy, happily ever after. Right. And there's the day to day piece that, that we, we don't talk about as much. Yeah, you know, it's really in that day-to-day piece. And um, 
I'm trying to get back to that. What happens is in a relapse of mental health and a, and a major depressive episode is you learn, you, you lose a lot of cognitive ability as well. And I was, and I am in an age of, uh, of a womanhood where that's, you know, I'm already foggy. Okay. I'm perimenopause and things are happening and that's great. I'm happy about it. And, and I struggled. And so day-to-day stuff is where I'm getting back to uh, saying no, um, allowing time for space, daily activity. uh, That's really important in some way, even if it's dancing around your house and walking, uh, standing up for meetings staying connected. One of the, uh, one of my now, one of my signs now in this process, I've been able to learn some of my signs and symptoms and I can perhaps share them with my family. So now we can all watch together because this was new for them too and very scary. One of the things I'm trying to pay attention to is my isolation from the people that I really care about and, and talk to. And um, not me running off to the wilderness and hiking with my weekend friends. Um, those are great too, but those are awesome, amazing relationships. But those people that I care closely, am I staying connected? Um, what I've learned is as I, uh, one of my symptoms of not doing well is I disconnect in that way. And so learning, that's what I'm trying to do today in this recovery from this, this episode, which lasted, Carrie, two and a half years at least before treatment. And now I'm 10 months into medication and treatment and um, ready to reopen therapy. I tried therapy uh, eight months ago for about three sessions, but I was in so much panic and anxiety yeah. and active trauma active unresolved trauma that it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. So So thankful for my day to day. Oh my gosh. I, and thank you. Thank you for that. That just the day to day piece of kind of recognizing how, how difficult it's, 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 it's managing its acceptance. I always, I think about it as acceptance. It's like, okay, so this is my makeup. My mom and dad always will say, we apologize because we've given you these typical, I mean, some anxiety and some depression. I'm like, I've got some gratitude for some of that. Right. I just love, I want to go back to something that I really dig that you said, which was the accountability. Like you've made the family yourself accountable to your family. If you're noticing this, this is what's happening. I might not see it from the outside. So I, I love that, that kind of that piece, that day-to-day piece, because you, they also, you said they have, you know, a lot of the, your kids have some challenges of their own, right? So you're all getting to kind of work as a unit together and, and, and support one another. So you have this in your family. And this is a question that I always love to ask folks, which is going back, knowing this journey you took, I mean, substance use disorder, having children at a young age, losing your children, getting your children back, right? Um, I like the geographic, the geographical thing piece too, right? And and through all those pieces, you've, you've learned so much about yourself. So what would you tell your younger self, that 14-year-old that was envisioning, this is how I'm going to make it, make it work? 
Oh, what a great question. That 14 year old, you know, I always say I wouldn't change it because it made me who I am. But that 14 year old girl didn't know any different, just that she could see something like, uh, what would I tell her? Hold on. Uh, love yourself. I would say find those people that have a vision for you and stay with them. You know, when you're, when I was young, I, you know, it's just such a hard question, Carrie. I, I have never been able to ask myself that now fast forward 43, my youngest is about to be 18 and I find myself in a position of saying, what does Jamie really want to do? Not that my children don't have an impact on my decision, but I've never asked myself that question without having someone else to be responsible for in yeah. some way. And soon, as my children are all doing amazing, even with their challenges that we have managed to get through together as a family, and they are all great, I'm starting to ask myself that question. Um, and it's starting to look like something to do with uh, education. I've always loved educating individuals. Um, recreation in terms of what getting back outside has done for me. That was what I loved to do when I was a yeah. child before I had children, was outdoors, was to uh, explore and adventure and be curious. And I am now afforded through recovery and uh, life's journey, the opportunity to explore that at a different age. Yeah. And stay tuned. That I think the really important piece that you talked about is what would you, what you would, what would you tell your 14 year old self is that piece around loving yourself, right? Because you know, one of the underlying issues with any kind of challenge, substance use, challenge, eating disorders, uh, self-injury, anything is that piece around low self-esteem and not pick yourself, a, pick yourself. Yeah. You don't need yeah. someone to pick you. You don't need someone to pick you. Even if it's that, you know, as I look, it was my parents, you know, it was, of course, or it was those relationships early on and, you know, they were in their own stuff. Yeah. And, and you know, um, yeah, pick yourself. Because if you pick yourself, then then you'll ask yourself those questions. Maybe your five-year vision will look a little different because <laughs> you're thinking of only, because uh, you do love yourself from that place. And I love that you bring up my children again, because they have all now been given that opportunity that that so that I was not, you know, my family was homeless. I was homeless, you know, in that story of the past of substance, including as a minor, um, you know, I didn't have stability. And yeah. there was a period of time where my children lived with my brother when I went through that custody. Um, and that was a short period and thankful that I had family, but yeah. they've had something that I didn't. And now you can see that I have one planning her dream wedding and is an amazing uh, hairdresser cosmetologist who is in sobriety. And I have another one in nursing school. I have a grandchild. Uh, I have another son, 22, who's out figuring it out. And, <laughs> and my youngest, who's 17, who's at home. And we all have our, our varying uh, mental health challenges. And, yeah. 
And again, you know, a lesson that I learned was what they remind you when you're on the airplane. Um, you can't <laughs> save anybody in your family until you get saved. So put that mask on and um, thankful for being able to put the mask back on because they've needed their own their own help too. Yes, I love that. That is so great. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for walking through this journey with me. You um, are pretty amazing. And I'm so glad to get to just a little bit of time to reconnect with you um, on your continued journey. So thank you so much. Thanks, Carrie. And I hope you enjoy your Sunday. (laughs) This has been fantastic. I look forward to hearing your series. Um, They're always so inspiring. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the follow button on your favorite app to get a weekly bite-sized conversation. And coming August 3rd at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, this week's guests, Jamie Green and Jody Jacobson from episode nine, Keep Your Eyes Open, will join me for a Facebook Live to share their intersecting story. It's going to be a great evening, so join me. So I will see you next time at the Corner of Hope and Wellness.